Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. We can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing us with your power, your knowledge, your love, all the fruit of the Spirit. So important that we live in your fruit, that we live in that fruitful place. And we thank you for that opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Amen. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about the anointing today. Amen. Uh, this we know about the anointing or we know this about the anointing. This is stuff we know. <laughs> We're saying that by faith because there are things that we don't quite know and don't quite understand. God is always revealing understanding to us. I like that about God. He's always got something fresh and new, and he renews some of the old that we know, and then he'll correct some misconceptions maybe that we have. You know, we're not able to to receive all that he has for us all at one time. We may think we are, but we're not. And so he has to, little bit by little bit, you know, feed us his word and feed us understanding and and make us strong in it. The other thing is that we have to demonstrate uh, that we have faith in the word. We have to be doers of the word. We're not just collecting ideas and knowledge, uh, you know, to hoard them. We are, as as we receive from God, we are putting it to work in our lives. And so he knows when we're ready for more. Amen. That what sometimes what we know already we don't put to use. And we're always looking for more, 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 more. And he's waiting for us to fully demonstrate that we appreciate and we're, we're, um, uh, you know, putting to use, using our faith on what we already know. And then when more is needed, he comes at the right time with what we need. And so it's all about trusting God in this walk and trusting that he has a plan for us and operating in that plan and knowing that that plan is unfolding every day. Uh, you don't retire from God's kingdom. You don't retire from serving God. He always has purpose, work, everything for all of his children to do at all times. And so uh, it's it's our quest then to uh, find out what he's holding us accountable for. You know, what souls are we to be praying for? Uh, who are we to reach with the gospel today? And how are we to reach them? You know, uh, I was... Uh, sharing this with Pastor Shirley the other day and I told her I said it just really blessed me I uh, one of the a gentleman who's been doing some work for me he was over at my other house and he's over at this house now and uh, he just seems to be available off and on when I need somebody to do something and and so I just always share I don't bite my tongue talking to people about the Lord or you know about prayer or whatever and you know I'll I'll say things in conversation like well I'm really praying for that because I want that price to go down or I want you know what what I'm saying and 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 people just receive it they just know that's what I do and uh and I never stop and so uh he was telling me uh, the day before yesterday I had I just decided I needed another sink in my kitchen. You know, I, I got all this work done and, um, you know, some brand new things to complete it to go with the old things, you know, and it looks like a brand new kitchen. And I looked over at the sink and it's like, you know, not real. 
<laughs> Not real elegant, you know. You just some things you just want elegant, and so I decided it was the sink, and and I thought, and and I had had a white sink in the past, and I said, if I ever get a chance, I won't have another white sink. But guess what? A white sink fits in there. And so I said, well, let me find a white sink and went to one place. They didn't have it. He said, we have to order it. And as the man went to order it, he just didn't know how to complete the order. And so that was when the Lord quickened to me, you know, you're not going to have to order this. And I had the possibility that I would be able to find it that day, but I wasn't sure. So what do you do? You use your faith to go to the next place. Amen. You don't quit. You don't, I don't have time to park and complain when something doesn't go the way I want it to the first time. I don't do that. Amen. I put away childish things when I became a grown up. Amen. And that's what you do. You don't have time to sit around and talk about, Amen. Uh-uh. Don't go there. That slows you down. It'll be next year sometime getting a lot of stuff if you're going to stop and complain about it. And so I was, uh, I, Rebecca was with me and I told her, I said, well, where can we go? She said, mm, there's Lowe's around the corner. I said, well, that's convenient. So we had about three places we were going to check. And when we went into Lowe's, sure enough, there was, there it was on the bottom shelf. <laughs> My double white sink. So we were going to grab it, and then it says weight seventy to one hundred and twenty pounds. So it was it was cast iron. So we had to wait for somebody to get it. Now this is where now this is where the devil will will try and wear you out. You already obeyed God. You already got to where you need to go. You see what you have is right within your grasp, but there's an obstacle there if you allow it to be. And so I told Becky, I said, I saw a guy around the corner. I said, why don't we flag him down and, and see if, if he's the one. And I said, not for you to get this cast iron. <laughs> you know, so she laughed. And so she went over, flagged him down. And he said, yeah, he said, I'll put it on the cart for you. So he had one of them pull carts, put it on there. So yay. He said, now they'll probably call me when it's time to load it in your car. He said, I'll be here. So they call and nobody shows up. For like 30 minutes, we're there. So Rebecca went and pulled the car around. I said, just wait in the car. She got out, came in and looked at us. You are not going to touch that thing. I said, we don't pick up anything that's not for us to pick up. Somebody else is going to get that blessing. So sure enough, somebody called, some guy comes up 30 minutes later, apologetic, very nice, picked it up, put it in there, no problem. You know, so we got the, the, uh, sink. And now the uh, install guy had told me, he said, well, I have tomorrow off. I said, oh, okay, I'll go get it. And knowing I probably wouldn't get anything right away because they have to order everything in these stores but i just said we'll go get it and we went out looking for it and sure enough we and i got it all installed in one day he did a beautiful job amen and so while he was putting it in he said mrs williams i've learned something about you he said nothing ever goes wrong when i work for you he said, and I know it's because you pray and you ask God to do stuff for you. He said, in fact, he said, it's made more of a believer out of me. You see what I'm saying? So that's when you know your witness pays off. See, this is worth everything. 
that that you do and everything that you say because people see Christ in you. And this isn't something we can invent or put on or make up or try to be a witness. You just have to live your life before God and let him show people what he wants to show them. Amen. I've had I've had uh, workmen come in and, 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 you know, say similar things. Well, yeah, be praying for me because I need so and so and so. And they're comfortable. I never ask them, are you in sin? Or, or make them feel uncomfortable, or, you know, they're smokers, some of them smoke cigarettes, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, they're free to come in, and, and whatever, you know, it's it's all good as far as I'm concerned, because I don't want anything to, to shoo them away from, from receiving from God, amen, and, and so I was telling the one workman, I said, he was talking about his cigarette smoke, and he said, ah, I just want to quit these things, I said, well, when you're ready, I'll tell you how to do it. And some of them never say anything. And then I say, you want to know how? And I say, yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell them, amen. It works for everybody if they'll do it. And I said, the, the key to this, I says, you got to do it. I said, now you'll have times where you'll think it's not working and you want to quit. I said, just remember we had this conversation. I said, you quit, keep doing it until you stop smoking because you will stop smoking when you do this. And it's just simple things to put their faith into operation that God has shown me that works for people who believe. Amen. And, and so it's good to open up the kingdom to people and to reveal Christ to them and allow Christ to be able to be, they can prove that God is real to them. You understand what I'm saying? And he wants them to. And so, so I just, well, I don't know why I threw that in, but, but we need to understand how important it is to just be your normal Christian self in front of everybody. And let God show them what he wants to show them about your life and more importantly about him and how he can can do it. And I don't try to act, you know, put on any kind of religious act for anybody. You know, I, I am who I am. And they can see where he is a normal person that loves God and God is doing things for them. And I'm normal and she's normal. And so she doesn't put herself on a pedestal where I can't talk to her or I got to feel uncomfortable, you know. They'll slip up and cuss or stuff like that and I don't respond to it, you know. It just I might do the same thing if I'm having a rough time like they are, you know what I'm saying? I used to do that stuff. And so you just allow yourself to be his witness. Jesus knew that he was, his kingdom was not of this world. He knew these people were sinners, but he invited them to sh- to hear the gospel. He knew they needed the gospel more than they needed anything. And so this is this is how we live, folks, as believers. So and this is what the anointing does. It's the anointing that convinces people that God is real. That's what you want. You want that anointing to convince them. And so so it's good to to respond to God and, and when he prompts you to do things, to do them. And just always be aware that God is there to help you and he's there to help every situation that we ever get in. So it's good. Amen. It's good. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. So this we know about the anointing. Amen. We know that in the Old Testament, the anointing was on a few people. And those people were the prophet, the king, and the priest. And the anointing was specific to their office. So you didn't find the prophet's anointing on the king. 
Even though a king would prophesy from time to time. Sometimes they shared these, but they were specific. You didn't find the king taking over the priest's role. That was forbidden. And so these anointings were specific in that they taught people how to respond to God and gave people the power of God over their lives. So the Old Testament was prophet, priest, and king. The New Testament, uh, the anointing belongs to the church. Amen. Now, God's spirit belongs to God, but there are certain aspects of his spirit that we can say are our possession because Jesus has empowered us with certain endowments, certain certain powers and certain privileges. And so there is an anointing that is available and has been conferred upon the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the Old Testament, um, there was what we call the outer anointing. It was poured upon them symbolically. It was oil that was poured over their heads. And you'll see that I got a little, little, uh, a description here, a testimony of how, uh, Moses anointed Aaron and his sons into the priesthood. It covered their outer man. The inner man was not changed. So they did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit, but they could function in that office and in that position, uh, you know, uh, reliably for God if they would follow the pattern and follow the, the, the steps and the, the, uh, obedience to their cleansing and purification and all of the things God would honor that outer obedience and confer upon them an anointing to minister. Amen. We have an inner and an outer anointing. So the inner one teaches us and it leads and guides us and it transforms you personally into the image of Christ. So we have the inner image and we have the outer empowerment if we'll receive it. Amen. The baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is where we receive the outer we are endued with power from on high. Amen. And so it, it's a covering. It's a, it's a, a cloak. It's a mantle that we wear and it is specifically for service. Amen. Now we also have a tangible presence of God, which is available to us as well to minister to us, to lead us and guide us in a different way and to help us to understand God more in the the outer workings of the ministry. Uh, many times when you worship God, he will show up in a tangible presence that shows up on the outside. There's nobody there for you to pray for, lay hands on, or nothing, just you. So that is for you, for your companionship with God, for your comfort, to bless you, to transform you, that's an outer working on you. I would say it's kind of similar to the Old Testament, but you have the inner as well. So that outer presence is a witness for us many times that God is available to us and he is touching us. It's good to get get an understanding of when he shows up, what he's doing. Don't assume anything. Amen. Uh, always converse with God. 
and thank him. And God, I thank you for your presence. It changes me. It makes me feel so comfortable. And and, and sometimes we need that. You know, you need to have, and, and it will shield you from a lot of things, his presence does. It, it transforms us. It it helps. It's almost like a, um, uh, gee, uh, a, a guide. Somebody, you ever see the, the, um, uh, well, I don't know how you could describe it, but it's a, a outer presence that kind of envelops you. And goes with you. It kind of leads you from the outside. But there's an inner leading as well. It's like an extra layer of God's. It's a verification that you're okay. That what you're doing is good. And what you're doing is fine. It's a blessing. It is there to give you his companionship. Uh, The Bible refers to him as the comforter. And when he comes upon us like that. it's, It's saying what you're doing is good. Keep doing that. I'm here with you. It's good for you to call upon me. And see, I show up when you call upon me. And I'll begin to, to, to have fellowship with you on a regular basis. We'll come together and we'll, we'll join. And, and that's how you know you're not alone. If it's, if it were just merely the inner, uh, presence of God, sometimes you perceive it, sometimes you don't. But that outer is a verification and a witness that you're doing the right thing. That she did something right. That that's good. And learn how to just cultivate the presence of God. You can do that anywhere. I remember when when uh, uh, the uh, uh, Tippy and Tone and Rachel lived with me for a number of years. You know, and, and they Tony took care of all of the vehicles for the ministry. There was a lot of work to do on that property, and and so it it helped me that they were there, and uh, we would have dinner together you know pretty regularly and we always had Rachel say the blessing and I can remember when when she would come and sit down the Holy Spirit would show up amen on a little kid and she would just pray and you know she had a little list of of, uh, children we would always get letters from the um, who was it Uh, St. Jude's Hospital and she had a list of St. Jude's children that she was praying for to be healed. And she could rattle their names off by memory. You know what I'm saying? And and so God always had that anointing waiting for her, that presence waiting for her, uh, because she was the one who was assigned to the prayer, and he had to help her with the prayer. And so he did that. And so anybody can cultivate the presence of God. And I tell people all the time, that's a good place to start meeting him. Amen is at the dinner table and make up your mind. You know what, God, I'm going to pray for you. Pray, pray every time I sit here, I'm going to bless my food. Amen. And, and bring the family with me. That presence will draw everybody in the house to the table. Amen. Everybody wants to run to their little private place and eat their meal and, you know, just sit, sit apart from one another. But it's a gathering place many times. You know, the, the dinner table is supposed to be a gathering place for people. It's amazing some of the things that will come out around food. What people will say. And once they get comfortable, you know, what they'll confess. And so it's a, it's a, a blessing to have that agreement and have that fellowship. It's fellowship's always good, folks. I don't care what you say and, and what you think. It's always a good thing. And so there, um, um, uh, we, we would have that, 
uh, in the anointing, the presence, tangible presence of God was always there hovering for, for time to pray. And you can pray about more things than just the food. You know, if he has you linger for a bit and there's something else on your heart and well, Lord, while we're here, I would like to pray about so let's pray about so and so or other things will come to your mind when you begin to do that kind of fellowship. And so it's just always a good thing to respond to that outer presence. When he shows up, give him attention. Amen. When he shows up, don't just go on with something else. You know, thank him for being there. Lord, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you, Lord, for, for your, your desire to put me at ease and make me comfortable. The other thing you'll find too, that you are less subject to fear with the tangible presence of God around. Amen. Anything you might be concerned about, kind of vanishes, amen, because in his presence is fullness of joy, fullness of everything that you need. There's a fullness there. And so we are blessed with that. So that's that's a another type of anointing, the presence, but it's not an anointing for work, for ministry. It's an anointing that ministers to you. And we need to have the ministry of the Lord with us uh, at all times, to be honest with you, but in sometimes it's it's more needful than others. So, so I'm going to just point out a few things about the Old Testament anointing versus New Testament, and we'll we'll see how far we get. Amen. Um, I have this on my notes here about the presence, tangible presence versus the anointing. What is the difference? The presence is a grace anointing, and it is a uh, Presence is a grace and the anointing is an empowerment. Amen. A presence is a grace. Amen. It's just a free gift. Not just, but, you know, a very valuable free gift. Uh, The anointing is an empowerment. So there's more teaching in the anointing to do the works of God than there is in the grace presence of God. Sometimes God just wants to comfort you because you, you know, you a little weird today, you know, <laughs> it's just at your wits end and you parked, you parked your crazy car and you stopped and said, Lord, I thank you that you're my God. I was, and you lifted up your hands and he showed up and comforted you. Amen. And the crazy left you at least for a season. Amen. And so it's, it's a grace. It's a, an unmerited favor where he just shows up because you, you either have stepped out in response or, or initiated it. And oftentimes too, it is a sovereign thing in God, you know, cause the presence will show up to, I used to call the Holy Spirit my referee. You know, if I would get upset and I was about to say something, I could feel him swirling around me. It's like, girl, don't. So I said, okay. (laughs) This is very helpful, Lord. I'm always asking you, how come I get into these messes? And it's because I don't yield to the tangible. And so, you know, he would do that with with my husband a lot. (laughs) Because I needed his help a lot. And all the married people say... Until you can do better. You understand what I'm saying? He's there to help you. Amen. And so it's, it's good. You know, I mean, I, if you look back, you'll see a lot of missed opportunities 
for keeping peace in your surroundings because you didn't know he was there to restrain you and constrain you. It's part of his job too. He keeps you from going totally stupid. You got me? Which is good. Amen. We need that. We need it bad. So his presence is a grace. And he can show up at your your invitation or he can show up sovereignly to grace you with his presence. Amen. Uh, in 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 the grace and see people will take the presence as always meaning the same thing is I did something right and God showed up but he'll you'll be getting ready to do something wrong and he'll show up and so that's a grace too you got me so don't don't get it twisted folks just just because he showed up is because you a good girl all the time you know you know look in the mirror and see what you see on a regular <laughs> you know that ain't true amen amen we all fight the same devil fighting the same flesh amen <laughs> so the anointing that is empowerment grace presence is a grace anointing is empowerment now what's the difference between grace and empowerment well empowerment comes for a purpose grace does too but empowerment has some working parts to it that we have to participate in. Number one, God anoints knowledge. He does not anoint ignorance. You might get the grace of his presence when you're ignorant of stuff, but you're not being empowered. And see, people think every time they feel God, it's to go lay hands on somebody or to prophesy or something. That's just not true. Amen. You need to ask him why he's showing up. And he doesn't show up in the midst of ignorance. He will teach you first. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit's your teacher. He teaches you on the inside. You got to deposit something in there for him to teach you. Amen. It's like when you go to college, you got to read them books before you can go in the lab and, and do stuff. Amen. You go in there and hurt yourself. You don't read the manual first. You understand what I'm saying? And so the anointing is empowerment. Even though God has promised it to all believers, its empowerment comes with knowledge. Amen. As you grow in knowledge, that knowledge can be translated into power. Amen. How do you know you're being empowered? Because there's an inner unction to do things. So the unction lets you know that the teaching is complete just in that area or that phase or for right then and right there because you'll go and pray for people and come away with a million questions so you know that he's anointing knowledge but knowledge is limited you can only you can only function at the level that you know then there's stuff you don't know because what you know opens up questions it's like when you when you have your first biology class and you you start understanding how cells are formed and and then you you read and you memorize different parts of the cell and and how they interact and then you say well what about see that little bit of knowledge you got opened up more questions amen cuz we'll know everything we know in part and so because we don't know everything, the knowledge that we have, we can function in it. But then once you start understanding that, you got more questions. The first thing that will, will, will happen to you when you pray for somebody and 
you don't see them get healed instantly. What's the first question you ask? How come they didn't? See, you had enough knowledge to believe God to step out and lay hands on them. The Bible says they will recover, but when they don't, your question is why not? Or it should be. Amen. If you're honest, you'll ask yourself, God, is there something else I need to know? And, and yada, 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 yada. And then maybe two days later, they'll come back and say, oh yeah, you know, that pain did leave me, but it left me later on. So, oh God, your word is true, but everything is an instant. They do. You understand what I'm saying? So, so God anoints knowledge. You got to get in your word and study the Bible. Not just memorize some scriptures and spit them back. You, you gotta ask God to make that stuff make sense to you. You, it's never gonna make sense to you just reading it if you don't seek the inner anointing to teach you. See, He's in there as a teacher for a reason, cause we need one. Cause we ignorant. Amen? <laughs> Even when you get a little knowledge, you're still a little ignorant. Amen? You don't know everything. You don't know how to put it all together. Amen? You know, good ministers are always seeking understanding. All you're getting, get understanding. Always seeking to know more. So the anointing is empowerment to do the works of God. And the unction to move uh, comes in obedience to your inner teacher. So it's like this. You read your Bible. The Holy Spirit takes you aside and says, now this is what this means. Yada, 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 yada. And the teaching lesson is, is over. And you may be in the grocery store and somebody walks past you and you feel this push on the inside. That's the teacher pushing you out to do what he just told you you can do while you were with him. That's the unction. Amen. And you don't just jump in your flesh and want to go pray for everybody in the grocery store. You move by unction. So the, it's like the inner teacher pushing you and say, okay, go for it now. Amen. I'm with you. Go for it. This person needs to be healed. So go talk to them. Amen. I was in a grocery store and this woman was walking past me. She's walking very slow. And her, she had a brace on her neck and it was, it was, um, you know, you could see she was uncomfortable. She might have even been in pain. And the Lord said, pray for her. And I thought, Lord, and he said, I didn't say touch her. I said, pray for her. And so as I was walking past her again, I said, ma'am, I said, now don't get upset. I said, I'm not going to touch you. And she just kind of relaxed a little. I said, but the Lord did show me that you're in some pain and discomfort right now. He told me just to pray over you because he wants you to be peaceful because you're stepping out in faith. And she just started crying. She said, I just wanted to get out so bad. And, 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 you know, it is. I said, well, he knows that, honey. He just told me to pray over you. And she stood there and the anointing came over her and gave her such a peace. And I told her, I said, I wouldn't dare touch you because I see, I, I can see you've had some surgery. I said, and I don't want to disturb you at all. And she thanked me. She said, you know what? I think I can make it through. I said, I'm glad. I said, because, you know, as I said, it takes a lot out of you to start trying to get better again. And so, you know, it's things like that. Now, see, the average person 
would go in there grabbing and yanking. And you understand what I'm saying? You have to be so sensitive to him. See, you really do. You, I don't have anything to prove to anybody. It ain't my power. It's not my anointing. I'm just the waitress bringing the food out. I didn't cook it. You understand what I'm saying? And so we we have to understand these things. And you have to stay humble to God at all times. You know, you can't raise up and try to be somebody. This isn't the, he's somebody. He's the only somebody in the kingdom. Amen. And we all bow down to him. And if you just let him use you and be a servant, there's nothing wrong with that word. And one day you'll learn to love it. Amen. And not try to elevate yourself before the time. It's not time to be elevated. We'll have plenty of time when he comes back for us and we get to heaven. That's when you get elevated. Amen. Amen. He'll give you a name and he'll make you known, but he's not going to make you known more than he is. <laughs> you know, brother, brother Summerall, uh, it was interesting. He said, um, you, most of you know his testimony. He, um, um, went to, um, South America, Philippines. And he said he had been trying and trying and trying. God told him to build a church and he, he was accustomed to just praying and letting God lead him and knowing God would meet him there. You know, he was, he was learning to exercise his faith. And so when he got to the Philippines, he said, he said, yeah, we, we tried to rent a building. I said, I told the Lord I'm going to rent a church. And God said, go ahead and rent the building. He got the building. And he said, there was nobody there but me. And I think his family was there. He said, my wife and my two boys. He said, we kept, I kept preaching them over and over again and couldn't get anybody saved. He said, it just wouldn't happen for him. And he said he was praying one night and, and, uh, uh, he had the television on. He came out from prayer and, for the first time in about three or four weeks, listened to the television. And he said, I was so busy crying my eyes out before God and begging him to, to get some people in and what do I need to do? He said, I hadn't listened to a news report in many weeks. And he said when he turned on the news, they showed a clip of a young girl in prison saying, they're biting me. They're, he, she, she was screaming out in pain. And he said that he began to weep and pray for her. He said, God, there's somebody, the devil's killing this person. And and uh, I, I, what do you want me to do? Nobody's here to help her. What do you want me to do? And so God began to, to instruct him what to do. He continued to pray for her. He decided to go and, and approach the people the next day to pray for this girl. Well, long story short, he said, he and this was one of his first um ministries to cast out devils he'd never cast devils out he just knew she needed help and he said when i went in where she was he said something came over me that jumped out of me and pounced and told that thing to leave her in the name of jesus and she got free amen well from that in in what had happened there was so much publicity about it he said it was on the news all around the world Every day, somebody, she was, she was screaming and she had cursed a couple of the guards and they died. People were afraid to go in and here's little brother Summerall going in there and they build it as David and Goliath. You know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, he had gone in and, and the, you know, the mayor was there, the chief of police was there, the prison people were there. And so his name was on the front page of the newspaper for a long time in the Philippines. 
And he said that when he would go in, he said if he went to a, a, a store or went to the bank, he said people would recognize him and just move out of the way and just over and bow in front of him and all that. And he was mystified by it. And so he, he would tell people, no, 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 I'm just a man, you know, and, and he had to watch himself. And so when it was time, he had built his church and things were going well, he had huge response of people coming to the gospel because of that one casting out of a devil. And he said, but whenever he would show up somewhere where ordinary people was, they, he, they, he got that response from them. They would want to touch him and reach out. And, and so the Lord told him one day, he said, I'm going to send you back to the United States. And he, and he wept. He said, Lord, I just love it here. He said, I love the people. I love the work. He said, yeah. He said, if I let you stay there, they're going to start to worship you and not me. So I'm going to have to move you out of there. So, you know, you understand what I'm saying? And, and so it, this is what we have to respect about the anointing, that it totally belongs to God. He doesn't want anybody taking his place. We don't, you can't take his place. Many have tried and many have not made it. And so he, he wants the anointing, the respect for it to be there. He wants us to be able to be used in his power. That's why a lot of times when God is ready to uh, increase the power of God in the earth, he'll start with a whole new crew of people. Because the people who have carried it so far, he's given them a name, he's given them fame, given them popularity, wealth, everything. What more could they want? They're going to want his throne next. You see what I'm saying? And so he knows how to cut it off for our good and for his glory so that the glory remains with him where it belongs. Amen. He's the only one who can handle it. And so the anointing will do that. The anointing gets attention. We all know that. That's what makes people jealous for it many times. They want the attention that somebody else has because they're anointed. And so it, it does give you a hunger for it, but not to vanity. Amen. You should have a number one. You should have compassion for people before you'll want the anointing because they do not. It, it clashes. If you want it for any other reason, it will clash within you and you'll never carry it right. You'll never have it much. If you don't want to help people and help anybody who needs it, God can't use you much because you have no idea where the anointing he wants to take you with that. And so if you, and that's why I say you're a servant. Understand that identity and learn how to embrace it and how to appreciate it. And, and you'll do fine. You know, you'll do fine as long as you keep your right identity. When you're clothed in his glory, you're his servant. Amen. And so here we have in Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, take Aaron and his sons with him. So we're talking about the priesthood now. And the garments and the anointing oil and the bullock for sin offering, two rams, a basket of unleavened bread, gather all the congregation together to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now this was important because people had to know who was anointed. Amen. It was beneficial if they saw this happen and they knew these people were set apart that they had to respect them as God's servants. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the assembly was gathered together to the door of the tabernacle of congregation. Moses said to them, this is the thing which the Lord commanded to be done. I'm not doing this because he my brother. 
you know. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water, put upon them the coat, girded them with the girdle, clothed them with the robe, put on the ephod, and he girded them with the uh, curious girdle of the ephod and bound it. And he totally dressed them in their priestly garments before the people, put on the breastplate, which had a couple of jewels in it, the Urim and the Thummim. And I think it was, those were like um, lots or something that, you know, you get a yes or a no answer out of them, that kind of stuff. And he put the mitre upon his head and upon the mitre, even upon his forefront, did he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as as the Lord commanded Moses. And Moses took the anointing oil, he anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and sanctified them. And he sprinkled uh, on the altar seven times the anointing oil, both the labor uh, and his foot to sanctify them. And he poured the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. Moses brought Aaron's sons, did the same thing with them as the Lord commanded. Then he brought the sacrifices. The bullock was for a sin offering. So the priest had to confess his sins. Amen. He was human. This was a different priesthood. Uh, and he, they slew the bullock. And Mo, Moses took the blood, put it upon the horns on the altar. Everything that was touched with blood was sanctified. So you had to have blood and the presence of the Holy Spirit represented it by the anointing oil. Took all the fat was on the inwards and the call above the liver to kidneys and their fat. And Moses burned it upon the altar. But the bullock and its hide and its flesh and dung, he burnt the fire without the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. And he brought the ram for the burnt offering. So there were two offerings, a sin offering and a burnt offering. The sin was to pay for man's sin. The burnt offering was totally consumed and offered up to God. Amen. For an, an offering for him. And he killed it. Moses sprinkled the blood on the altar and he cut the ram in pieces. Moses burnt the head and the fat, the the pieces and the fat. He washed the inwards. You know, this is like a butcher shop, folks. This went on all day long. He burnt the whole ram on the altar. So there had to be a sin offering. Part They never say what was done with the meat that Moses, he really cooked meat roasted meat on the altar well the priest had to consume it in order for their sins to be forgiven amen so you you burnt you roasted it with fire and the priest consumed it and that's how they lived they lived off of the sin offerings that the people brought but the whole burnt offering was burnt whole and and the lord smelt the smoke from it as a sweet savor to him and his peace would descend on on this whole thing and so it it, it, it and he brought the other ram the ram of consecration verse 22 and Aaron and his son laid their heads hands upon its head and they slew it and Moses took the blood of it put it on Aaron's ear his right thumb he brought Aaron's sons did the same thing he took the fat and the rump all of this stuff was a a a program that God had set up for them that they had to think through. They had to consecrate themselves. It was not just a one-step thing that you could rush through and forget easily. These things he did to to cause them to go into a remembrance. This was the best that he could do 
to sanctify their minds. They had to totally get their minds off of everyday stuff. They had to get their minds off their sin and, and the wife and what she ain't doing right and the kids and how bad they are and all that kind of stuff. That's how they sanctified themselves back in the day. They took more time. They took more time in the presence of the Lord. They took more time making the offering, sprinkling the blood. All of it had significance. And so under the Old Testament, it was a a outer demonstration of what God was doing with them to set them apart. But also it was a foreshadowing of what was to come when Jesus made his one total sacrifice for one thing the 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 levites were known to cut corners with stuff they did you you understand me it's like oh man i gotta keep doing this i did this thing already you know it was just just natural for a human being to not want to do everything that was necessary to do they god gave them dietary restrictions not because they ate too much you know, sometimes people just are so carnal. You just just get beyond your natural mind thinking about thinking the worst about people. But the dietary restrictions were so that they would think before they ate and remember who provided it. That's all God ever wanted was a blessing over the food and thanksgiving for it. But you couldn't do that if you just sat down with the first thing you grabbed and started to gobbling. You had to look at it and see if it was forbidden, if it was permitted, if it was not permitted. Huh? That's what Daniel did. Daniel, it wasn't so much, you know, the king's food was bad. It was that he didn't want to get used to, he understood what the dietary restrictions were for. So you didn't get mixed up with the world. Once you start liking what the world likes, it's just like us. With dancing and music and fashion. Those are things you people cross over into sin closer on those levels than any kind of food will get you in trouble. You understand what I'm saying? You eat too much, you just quit eating. You understand what I'm saying? There's a limit to everything. But you start working with your mind and, and getting in the mirror and, and, you know, start saying that looks good on you. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, more than the average wanting to look you know, presentable, nice, neat, whatever it is, color coordinated or not, whatever. Do you start lingering and start hiking stuff up and lowering stuff? And you understand what I'm saying? This, just cut it out. That'll get you in big trouble. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is why he had, God had the rules. A lot of restrictions. There's nothing wrong with a pork chop. Except to the Muslims. Now the Jews keep that because they still hold the tradition. They still have a little bit of that covenant left, folks. Some of them don't honor it. They, they, now they break themselves up into different groups too. You know, we, oh yeah, that's it. We're the Hasidic ones and we're the this ones and that ones. All that, you know, kind of stuff. Uh, you know, depending upon what they carry over from the Bible tradition. But, but there's nothing wrong with food as long as it's sanctified. Pray over it. That makes it right. That's written in our New Testament, but it was also true in the Old. As long as it was sanctified, what did David do? He was hungry. 
And what did he do? David always found a priest somewhere. He knew to go to God. You know, when you're in trouble, you go to God. And he went in there and the priest said, well, we, the only thing we have to eat is the show bread, which is holy bread. Mm. And it's only lawful for the priest to eat it. And the priest gave it to him. Amen. With the full approval of God. What's he going to do? Let him starve to death because he got to the wrong house. You got food. You're not going to give it to God's people for some reason. And and the, Jesus said God made the laws for man and not man for the laws. Man came first and then God gave him laws. Amen. Amen. And David and the men had been out you know, for for weeks and hadn't been with their wives. And he said, well, we haven't been with our wives the next number of days. The priest said, cool, come on in and have some bread. Amen. Amen. And so this is this is what you need to understand about this. There's no rigid rules about anything. My goodness. You know, we try to pick up, people pick up parts of the Old Testament and want to, well, I got a, this diet and that diet out. No, just go and bless your food and eat it and quit being like that. Amen. You're throwing yourself back under the law. You got to fulfill it all if you're going to live out of that or you're in disobedience. And so really we, we make a lot of big things out of little things and we skip the essence of what God's trying to do. What he really wanted Aaron and his sons to know is when you come apart to work for me, it's a job. It's a full-time job. And you can't cut corners. If Aaron and his sons could just rush in and get some holy water and cross themselves or something and, and go to ministering, how how faithful would they be with that? But if they had to go through the steps and understand you've sinned and somebody's got to pay for that, and I want evidence that you killed a ram, so I want to put on these these instruments in the temple so I can see them. Amen. And it's visible that that you've been here, and 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 the price has been paid. And so this is this is what God what does. He's making a full time commitment out of what could be shortcut and made a part time thing. Amen. Because He wants them to know this is something I want you to do in your generations forever. Amen. And so it was to Aaron and his sons that the priesthood was given, but all of the Levites took care of the temple. So some of his brothers had other duties. They couldn't cross it up. This thing was just for Aaron and his sons. It wasn't for Moses' sons either. Because Moses was a prophet, he was their leader, and he could do some priest things, but that wasn't his job. His job was go listen to God and come back with some news, some for these people to live by. And so you can see God splitting up the work even under the Old Testament, just like he split up the work in the new. The The pastor is not everything, and the prophet isn't everything. Everybody has specific office functions to function in, and God's not calling you to be one one day and something else the next day. You got me? Like he can't make up his mind who you are. Amen. When God calls you by name, he calls you name, office, position, everything. That's all in that one name. Amen. So they they don't even have to give you a title to separate you apart, except people are so disrespectful. 
you know, you, you people tend to be casual, too casual. They find out a minister and they, you know, they don't mind, you know, you don't mind them calling you by your first name. They're weird out. Amen. And start being disrespectful to other ministers. So it's just good to keep what God tells you, how God tells you to handle that. You handle it that way. Amen. And let him help you. You know, it's it's bad enough people don't want to do what you tell them to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They'll disrespect you because it don't sound right to them. Well, God's stuff never sounds right to a carnal mind. You know, never does. And it's not going to sound right. It's going to take faith for you to obey it. You know, not not just your faith, your flesh, but faith, period, in your, your inner man. And so the anointing, we talked about now how they were set apart. Uh, in, when they weren't in, in the, the, uh, priesthood or weren't in the tabernacle ministering, they were like ordinary people, but they lived in their own camp. So as a minister, you can't go too far out with the common people, if you know what I mean. Now, it, it, and you don't make up the rules how you live. God makes them up for you. Cause we'll botch them every single time. Because we'll think we're setting ourselves apart, being holy to God, and you're just being crazy and stuck up and, and, you know, being proud and arrogant and stupid. And so, but God knows how to set you apart. Amen. He knows how to make you busy at certain times where you're not available. He knows how to tell people not to bother you. You know, they won't even feel a, a, a need to call you and ask you anything or invite you anywhere. Amen. He'll keep you with a lifestyle that sets you apart where you, you can't do certain things. You can't go certain places. Amen. You just, just do, just be obedient to God. Amen. You know, I quit drinking so long ago. I, I remember I was saved and I still drank a little bit, but after a while that stuff left me, you know, and I don't step over that line. You know, nobody ever offers me anything to drink, you know. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll even, uh, you know, tell people, I said, oh, honey, you don't want a drunk preacher around you. I preach all night long. I said, I'm, I'm enough being just anointed. You get me drunk too? I'll be, I'll preach you up until Sunday. Never go to sleep. And, and, you know, I mean, these are ways you can let people know, leave you alone without being rude, you know, and, uh, it's, it's just that way, but you have to learn your limits. Cause see, I'm, I'm like a bulldog on a chain, but when the master yanks it, it just takes a gentle nudge to pull me back. You know, he don't have to beat me over the head and tell me I can't do certain things. You know, and I don't have a desire to do them. That's one good thing about his restrictions. He takes the desire away from you. Amen. And I'm not better than you. And I'm not trying to be anything other than who I am. But I know for a fact what he did for me and given his life far outweighs any little temporal fun I could have down here. You understand doing anything. I don't care how free the dinner is and where we going. If he says no, it's no, you know, for, and he don't have to give me a reason. Amen. Just, just to know it's good enough for me. Okay, Father, I, I get you. I didn't even feel like I should do that. You understand what I'm saying? And so you, you have to live that way, folks. You have to live that way. Is it boring? No, it's not boring. 
I don't want to be out doing anything other than what God wants me to do. You understand what I'm saying? You just, it's, it's, it's that way. He puts that in you. Amen. He got enough people running around here breaking rules, calling themselves his servants. You got me? He don't need any more. He needs people who can be committed. Amen. So this anointing sets you apart and consecrates you. Amen. Consecrates you to God and his purpose. Now, when the anointing is off, you have the freedom to, you know, do what you do. You don't, you don't get yourself into sin or anything like that. Amen. But I don't go to movies with people. You understand what I'm saying? If I just, you know, want to veg out or something and watch a movie here and there at home, but pretty much I don't have the TV on anymore. I'm after something. Now you watch as much as you want to, as till your eyes get red. I don't care. But I'm after something right now in my life. So I put that aside because it doesn't fit in with what I'm after. Amen. And so this is, this is how you have to make up your mind you're going to live. That if God calls you to do something, now most of you aren't called to full-time ministry. You know, you're functioning at a believer's level. You know, for the most part, you know, Miss Jan is full-time. She's an, an evangelist. You understand what I'm saying? And so you you live a normal life. You know, you can go out with friends. You can go out to dinner. You can, you know, just don't get in sin over it. Amen. I bet I see y'all on top of somebody's table dancing somewhere and put on that hat with the two cans of beer on each side and the sip in the middle and all that kind of stuff. Amen. Oh, you ain't going that far. Amen. But you can enjoy people's company. You can, you know, just don't let it get you in no trouble. Amen. Let it get you in the strife. <laughs> now, see, the minute you want to say no to an invitation, that's when you're going to have trouble out of your besties. You got me? Maybe God's telling you not to, and they don't understand it. See? So there's going to, and he does that to keep you from getting in too deep with people in the flesh in the wrong way. Amen. And this isn't something you got to wait till you get my age to understand. I understood this when I was first called to the ministry. You got me? So, so these are things that, that you, you do to protect the anointing, to make sure that it doesn't dissipate in your life and you forget that you paid the price you studied and you prayed and God uh, placed this, this gift and this empowerment on you. And now you're free to be used by God, but you can only go so far. You don't want it to lift off of you because you're being too naughty in too many areas. Don't try to push the envelope. You know, there's some people that live like that. They, you know, you tell them you ever had a little kid that said, don't go over there. They go right over there. Never seen anymore. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, come on now. So, so this, these, there's some people that are just inclined to want to see what's going to happen if they disobey. Amen. Well, God won't anoint people like that. He's got to get your flesh tamed down to where it's just kind of basically obedient to Him, where you understand His leading. You're being trained. How to stay with God. How to always be available to God. How to receive what God has for you. How to help people with it. If your heart is not to really help people, you can forget it. And, or ask him to put that in you. 
Amen. And, and help them in this, in this vein. I'm invisible and only God is being seen. Now, if you're the type of person they got to tell you thank you 50 times or you're unhappy, you know, you got to get back on the, you know, pick up your cross again. Take it a few more feet. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So when one is anointed, what, what is traditionally done in the church is the same thing that Moses did. We use the anointing oil and we either anoint a person by touch or pour it on them. Most people don't want, when they come to, to get ordained, they put on their best clothes. They don't want you pouring oil all over their good clothes. You understand what I'm saying? I think Ida hosted, he loved coming to American churches and just messing people's heads up totally. You know what I'm saying? I think he did somebody like that one time and the wife, there was a husband and wife and they wanted him to, oh, Archbishop come to our church and blah, 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 blah. And he got there and doused them both with oil and she was upset. <laughs> yeah, right. It's real. Amen. It's real. God brought them, bought them clothes anyway. And a lot of times you don't look as good in them as you think you do. Huh? You could have went up a size and looked a little nicer in it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Huh? It's a thought. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, the anointing in, in, in the ceremonies that we have, pouring oil on a person to designate their purpose to function in a religious ordination, in a religious office, an office of authority, respect, or dignity. It also means to smear and to cover when you're anointed. And you are smeared and covered when God anoints you. Amen. His presence covers you. Is his presence smears over you. Number two, the anointing sets you apart. It consecrates you to God's purpose. That is God's sovereign purpose for your life. Amen. And, and it, uh, it changes you actually into another person. In first Samuel chapter 10, and this is why, to me, it's so silly for people to try and take credit for anything that they do under the anointing, because that's not you. Now, there are some people who are are more diligent in walking in the Spirit and walking in the power of God consistently. And so there may be a tangible anointing, but generally the anointing for service is higher than even a tangible presence that a person will would walk in amen or or yeah uh, an anointing i i noticed for years when uh when we would have meetings if i would walk into the door i could sense the anointing increase you know as i walked in well that was god verifying that i was the one anointed to conduct the service you see if if the preacher comes in and and you don't sense anything you know, I mean, and, and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen sometimes, but consistently there should be a tangible shift in the anointing for the time of the service to come in than worship. You know, and, and oftentimes if I would lift my hands to worship, you could really feel it then. That was God. It wasn't me. You understand what I'm saying? And so he will, will 
verify and validate you in that way. You know, he needs to do it for many people. You know, people see you in the flesh and they, oh, she's just a woman. And you know, people, the carnality that the devil will put in people's minds is mind boggling. Amen. And so many times there's that carnal thinking that people have that they don't think God sent you or don't think you're anointed or don't think you're, you get a lot of times when you're a minority person. I know that's where that comes from, you know, but you don't, ah, they don't like me because, no, that's not it. It's just that people's minds are programmed with stereotypes and ways of looking at different people as not being who God would choose. Moses had the same thing. When you're a woman, you're going to have some of that. Don't go on a tirade about women preachers. That ain't your battle. The only thing you got to do is be anointed and go where God sends you. Amen? And so, and see, there are a lot of women who can't, hold that up and and i know a lot of them can't you know they can't get in the circle where they can go and minister to a mixed crowd men and women you know they stick with the women's meetings you know because that's safe you know god may want to use you someplace else just saying not throwing no shade against anybody but he may want to well see when i didn't take that up as my battle i can go anywhere and preach to anybody do you understand what i'm saying and and so this is something that you have to understand that God gives you a remedy for what he knows people are going to think in their carnal minds that will not uh, keep you in a place where they can receive what he sends you with. It's about receiving God's word through a vessel. It has nothing to do with how they feel about you died before you even stepped out under that anointing. If you didn't, you will. You, you understand me? And so you gotta understand these things. That, that, that people will have ideas about you that just aren't the way it is. I can remember when I, if I would go to a meeting somewhere, you know, when I was first in Detroit, I got invited to all kinds of meetings and God would say go. You know, if it was a house meeting, I went there. If it was in a church, I went there. It was in a, whatever it was, I went there. And I would go into house meetings and typically women, you know, women would invite you to their women's house meeting. And the anointing would come upon me to prophesy and minister before everybody got finished hugging and getting coffee and I'm not against hugging and coughing. I mean coffee. I just think that when God shows up, you need to obey him first. Cause he don't have to be there. He could, he could just leave and not show up again. And I don't want to go through that. And so I remember once and God said, well, I want you to leave your calling card with these women. And so he told me this woman was, well, and, and where do you live? What's your husband do? And I said, you know what? I think we need to stop this because God has a word for you and you and you and you and you. Everybody's all upset. Who she thinks she is taking this meeting from us. You understand what I'm saying? Of course, you never go back again. Because <laughs> they'd rather have coffee and hugs. 
and chat about what your husband does and all that. Huh? You don't need to know what my husband does. We're here for God. He ain't here. You understand? <laughs> he can't do nothing for you anyway. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so many times God will have you deal with stuff. Just get it out the way. You understand? And if they accept you the way God presents you to them, then they benefit from your ministry. If they're offended by it, then you don't go back no more. What would I go back for? Get in an argument with somebody? Well, you know, when you were here the last time, you know, you hear that 15 different times, you know. When you were here the last time, I say, yeah, you need to forgive. You were offended because I cut your little nonsense short. I'm not there for nonsense. You know, I only got so much time here. I got to go home and cook for that husband y'all keep asking me about. Got all day to sit up here. And, do you understand what I'm saying? So then after you give them the word of the Lord, then God lets them know you are legit and you're anointed and you came there for his business. You know, nothing wrong with coffee, but don't leave him waiting where you're schmoozing and, you know, zhuzhing and all that kind of stuff. You can do that afterwards or not at all. Go home with a, a prophecy that blows your mind, makes you think all afternoon. Or you got to go home and lay in the bed for 10 hours because, you know, you didn't know that God did stuff like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, I mean, it's just the way it is. See, this is why I can't have a lot of company. And I love people. <laughs> but see, I never know when God's going to yank the chain. See? And the gift shows up. So you got to let that that work like that. Now, that's not true for everybody. That's not true for all prophets. But it's characteristic of the prophets. He may tell you, cut this short because that ain't what I sent you here for. You don't have to prove to anybody that you like them, you love them or what. Because the next thing, if you let people carry on with conversation, the next thing they ask you is going to cause an offense between the two of you. Because that's what the devil angles for. Huh? So... So in order to not do that, you just get down to business. When God says get down to business, that's what you do. Amen. And and just bless God. Amen. Amen. I remember there was one lady that I did did see again after the meeting. And she said, you know, that word you gave us, that was so, yeah, yeah right. After you had two weeks to get over being offended and all that other stuff. Your little girlfriends are still trying to talk you out of it. So. Anyway, so praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. He's worthy. So it, it does set you apart. The anointing does. You don't have to set you apart. All you have to do is obey God. And the anointing will set you apart and consecrate you to God's purpose. Amen. So that's what you want. You want to be consecrated in, in at all times. And you, you don't have to stand around in, in robes all the time and looking funny. Or wear a collar everywhere, you know, to the supermarket or something like that. All that kind of stuff. All you got to do is be who you are in God. Amen. And just let him work. So in 1 Samuel chapter 10, we'll start in verse 1. And this is where Samuel was anointing Saul 
to be the king of Israel, his first king of Israel, Samuel took a a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you to be captain over his inheritance? When you are departed from me today, then you shall find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Zelah. They will say to you, the asses or the donkeys which you went to seek are found. Now we know that Saul was on a an assignment from his dad. There were some donkeys missing from his his um, herd, and he was sent to find them. And he was sent with a, another servant to to go and find the donkeys. Well, they never found them, but Samuel found him. Now at this point, God is already separating Saul from his father from his old role. So from now on, he's going to chase other stubborn people, I guess, you know, <laughs> the chill, the people he's going to govern. And he says, uh, he, he says, the care of the asses and sorrow for you saying, what shall I do for my son? And then you shall go on forward from there and you shall come to the plain of Tabor and shall meet there three men going up to God to Bethel and one carrying three kids and another carrying three loaves of bread and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive of their hands. And after you shall come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. So God has set up a sacrifice and an offering for Saul. He has to receive that. God does not cut corners for anybody. You see, Saul had to bring the appropriate offering and sacrifice up for his own anointing ceremony. And it shall come to pass when you are come uh, nigh to the city that you shall meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery, a tabret, a pipe, a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. So here you have a company of prophets. You have some prophet servants that are musicians that are playing music. So this is like a whole ceremony set up so that they can get the will of God done and, and they can prophesy. People say it doesn't take, it don't take all that to prophesy, but it does. It takes what God says it takes. I mean, how inconvenient to travel with musicians all the time just so you can hear the word of the Lord. Amen. But that's how some gifts work. This is how they were trained. See, this is why when when God released prophets in the Old Testament, they can do unusual, unique things. Like prophesy with, with, uh, you know, naked, halfway naked, walking through the streets for a year. That's an anointing, folks, takes that. You just don't jump up and do that. Or you would run to somebody who is an enemy of God and have to give them a word and split in a hurry, or you would be killed. So it takes discipline, and it takes training. It did back then, and it does now. You don't get a prophecy and jump up and start prophesying, and it stay on you. You might get that unction as a witness that God actually did call you and there's actually something there. But it will lift and you will have to now submit yourself to what God tells you as your training and your teaching so that you would get it. 
and prophets traveled in companies because they needed different functions done. So you had to have teachers. Samuel was a teacher and other prophets that he had anointed were teachers as well. There were sons of prophets who were being trained not to prophesy only. They were trained as assistants to prophets. They were trained as people who who handled sacrifice. They were herdsmen. They handled sacrifices and offerings. They set up tents. They made their own housing. They did everything. They didn't have, you know, somebody come in from Home Depot and pay them to, to build a tent for them. They had learned how to do all of this stuff. Amen. And so when you were in the company of prophets, you learned how to maintain the school of the prophets. You had to maintain everything. That's why it was kind of unusual. Remember the, the sons of the prophets that told Elijah, they said, the, this, this, this place is too small for us. Father, give us permission to go and build us. You didn't just up and leave and say, uh, you know, God told me I should go, supposed to go over here and start doing this. They asked his permission before they left. Why? They knew the power that resided in that office and they didn't want to mess and run afoul of that. They respected the power in the office that you don't just jump up and do stuff. But they were crowded in and they needed more space. And so they asked Elijah if it was okay for them to go and build. And boy, it might have been Samuel. I don't know who it was. It was Elisha with the axe head floating. And and they were so, so unaccustomed to living on their own. They had to borrow utensils and tools to build the thing. So it wasn't something that they just did all the time. It was a unique and unusual thing. And Elisha told them, fine, you can do that. And when they, they, they didn't even know how to use the axe properly because the head of the axe flew off the handle. So it shows you how immature sometimes people are and they want to go out on their own. Amen. And so here they are, you know, you, with an axe, you take the head off the handle, soak it in water overnight, and the axe hits the wood swells, and you put it back on there, and then you use it. They didn't even know how to do that much. Amen? So let me tell you this. If you're anxious to get out on your own and do what God wants you to do, when you can make an axe head float, then you can go. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for understanding. We thank you, Lord, for building us into a holy temple consecrated to you. Thank you for the holy anointing that blesses us and keeps us in the way that we should go. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you so much, Father, for blessing us to know where we need to be and when we need to be there. That's the biggest part of being anointed, Father, is knowing where you need to be and when and where. So we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Why don't we do our declaration? I don't have Rona. She don't have me. Can't get Rona. And she can't get me. Thank you, Jesus. By your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God.